I guess, but just given what kind of people they are, it, it doesn't make sense that they go to this church. Like, what, like why, they're all adults. Like, why are you doing it? Just don't go if you're going to be this way. Oh, it is Ireland. You can't just say that about everything. Uh, watch me. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I Finally Watched Calvary. So Calvary is directed by John Michael McDonough who is the brother of a favorite around here, Martin McDonough, who directed in Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, and Three Billboards. And Alan, I think this is your first movie that you've watched by his brother, John Michael McDonough. Um, This movie is much darker, less comedic, but there is comedy in it. You know, it's funny is the other day when we did Fargo, I was like, that was more dark than comedy. And, you know, I, I said that's because I thought it was based on a true story. Um, and then when I found out it wasn't, I was like, all right, that's, that's very comedic. Um, this is, is just, this is more dark than comedy, but there is some, some funny moments in it. But I really, I really loved it. The first time I watched it, I was very, like, very amazed by it. It is a lot different watching it after you know how it ends, um, but still really great. And I think a lot of the performances are really great. And it's a really like affecting movie. So Alon, how did you feel uh, after watching Calvary? So I found, I found like the humor in it, like you said, it, it never overcame the darkness of like the tone of the, the film as a whole. But I did feel like at times it was trying to. Um, and that came off sometimes good, sometimes I'm not gonna say bad because n- none of this movie was was bad. I I, th- I think throughout, um, stayed pretty consistent on how good of a film this is. I just thought sometimes it was like a little forceful with the comedy, like oh, it's trying a little too hard here and there. Um, but then, like I said, other times when it does do that, I enjoyed it very much. And I think one of the times that I really liked it was right off the bat in the confession uh in the stand and how because okay yes it's not really supposed to be comedic but the way i guess the timing is came off as comedic where the guy and we don't know who it is yet right um confesses to brennan gleason's character um who uh his name is uh, Father James, playing, he's playing a priest, um, admits that or confesses that he was raped by a priest. At seven years old. At seven years old. And so um, Brennan Gleason responds with, wow, that's a hell of an opening line, which it's funny because it's the opening line to the, to the film. Um, right. But yeah you know like situationally like that's funny like obviously it's not funny um that he was raped at seven years old by a priest but the fact that it is such a startling opening line and it you know is said that it is in the movie um i i always find that kind of self-awareness fourth wall breaking an easy way to like fit comedy in any sort of situation 
the movie is like very self-referential and like like very meta in the way it kind of talks about its own dialogue and that's like the first example of it when he said that's certainly a startling like opening line um and the guy's like are you making a joke out of this um that opening scene first of all that i don't want to like i don't want to try and make a top five but i can't think off the top of my head of a more startling like like fucking raw opening line of a movie like because there are many ways he could have said what he said i don't even want to repeat it honestly but there are many ways he could have explained that he was raped by a priest at a child and the way he fucking did it was like it's there's no going back from that and the whole opening scene is it's ep- like it's exposition it is just to explain to you basically this is what the plot of the movie is going to be going forward but it totally makes sense in what's happening because this guy in the confessional who um i will say the movie's completely different once you know who it is and you rewatch it but this guy says that he's been raped and the priest who did it is dead and what would have been the point in killing him anyway and he says that he's going to kill father james um because father james is an innocent man he's a good man and that will that will prove a point i guess we don't exactly get yeah. into it right then but you don't really understand that even throughout i guess i mean you do and you don't it's kind of like those kids so here's what i really liked about the movie is that unlike movies like spotlight where the whole focus is um like the guilty verdict catching the priests to have molested kids throughout the years on like a super large scale. This one is very focused on this um, uh, church of this very small town in Ireland. And it's almost like the repercussions of all of the molestation of the Catholic church getting out um this film was what like 2014 so um that's when we were kind of at the height of all these accusations becoming public um well it started a long time before then but i think it gained because a couple movies like spotlight and this movie were made in lieu of the allegations coming out of the catholic church of all the molestation charges Wow, this is going to be a very dark episode. Of, uh, yeah, of but ours. Spot, the Spotlight story is based on um, in the movie Spotlight, which is an episode we can't do because we've both seen it. Um, even though I would, I would like to, um, they were doing that story around nine eleven, so two thousand one. Right. So but I'm the saying movie, the movie so, itself was made in like twenty fourteen. Yeah, twenty. I think maybe twenty seventeen. I can't remember. Um, but I, I get your point as far as like this, you know, movies catching up and starting to deal with the subject matter that, you know, is in, in real life. I, I get your point on that. Well, what's so interesting is that um, Father James is actually innocent. He is actually a good guy who is just trying to live in this town and 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 the fact that he is such a good guy and it is such a small town and everyone has their own like sin to deal with 
and he's he knows basically everyone's poison but he still like deals with them on like a very like cordial day-to-day basis just like kind of like hey listen you tell me shit in the confessional stand and that I can tell you you know say however thy fathers and however many um Marys. I was gonna say bloody Marys um yes hail Marys um and and but outside the church and outside the confessional uh stand it's like we're just homies i guess we're you know there's this well, they're not homies and this is actually a point i want to bring up too is because um or i want to ask you from the top so um we're going to spoil it now but chris o'dowd who plays the character jack is the one who's in the confessional and you don't know that until the last five minutes of the movie. But um, Brendan Gleeson's character knows that throughout the movie, which is important to know. Right. And important for you to interrupt me to say right now. So, but what I find interesting is everyone in this town, all the other main characters or side characters really are horrible to him. So I wanted to kind of ask, leaving out the person who's going to kill him. Who do you think is the biggest, like, who would you say is the biggest asshole to father James? Oh, that you're going to ask me who did I think throughout the movie was the guy. Well, we can ask that next, but <clears throat> uh, who is the biggest? Um, oh, what's his name? Um, the doctor. Yes. Yes. It's right. uh, played by Aiden Gillen. I think yeah, that's he, how you pronounce his name. Um, yeah, probably. I uh, first of all, him and Milo are like two of my favorite characters in this. But like, definitely, just everyone is so rude to him, so mean to him. I think a runner-up is the Brendan, the bar owner. Is uh, a pretty big piece of shit in this movie. Definitely, definitely. Um, but what's what's really funny is that there are actually people who are like actually nice to him who actually like him in this town. Not many. No, but the, the writer, the old man writer is, um, that's cause the priest takes care of him. <laughs> yeah. And, and so does, um, His father, daughter. well, father Leary, the other priest, yeah, but but he doesn't want he doesn't want that. <laughs> but what's so funny is that he is such an annoying character that he can't even like basically he's his only friend in this town and he doesn't even like him yeah so back to the top though one thing that's kind of cool about this when i first watched this you know the voice is not the voice of anyone else in the movie the voice in the communion box and i was reading up on it that that or sorry the confessional i was reading up that that was actually purposeful so that you wouldn't really be able to figure out who it was. But when I rewatched it, I was like, that does sound like Chris O'Dowd, like a little bit. It sounds like he's almost doing a deep voice. Um, I thought it sounded like Colin Firth. I Colin, was huh? Colin Firth is different than Colin Farrell. They're oh. different people. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. I meant Colin Farrell. It sounded like Colin Farrell, didn't it? I don't think it's, no, not to me. I, no? I, know, what, I know what Colin Farrell's voice sounds like. Um, but <laughs> it definitely did not sound like Colin Firth. <laughs> this all stuttering. Um, 
so but i think that was that was a cool way to throw people off because throughout the movie i don't think he was not on my radar as someone who who was possibly the person which if my wife had watched this that would have given her the clues that's who it was but who did you think uh you said that you thought that was gonna ask that so who did you think was the killer throughout i never thought we met him okay i was i was under the illusion that we purposely have not met this guy and we will at the end and it was going to be like just a random guy yeah i think that would be kind of unsatisfying though it doesn't it doesn't make sense that it's odown why because chris odown's character throughout the whole thing is this kind of like he's the butcher of the town and he, he goes around and he's like, yeah, my wife sleeps with other women, but it's cool. And everyone's like, Oh, I can vouch for him. And um, there was this accusation of him hitting his wife. And then uh, people were like, Oh, he would never hit his wife. I don't know. There's this just very like, and the conversation between him and father James was just like, throughout the movie, it was kind of just friendly. Yeah, and I want to talk about that as we go through. Um, I think it does make sense. And I think if you watch it again, there are things that point to it. But it is, it's obviously like purposely trying to throw you off. But I mean, in the scenario of, hey, I'm going to give you seven days to get your affairs in order. I mean, if you were that person, one, I don't know why you wouldn't think he would know who you are and he would turn you in, but I guess he was banking on the father being someone that wouldn't do that and would try and talk of him out of it on his own. Um, But I just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think you would be an asshole to him. Maybe you would avoid him, but it's such a small town. Um, But he didn't just avoid him. He like sought him out in the very beginning. The father did. Yeah. Well, that's because the father was kind of in an interesting, you could say, not the way any normal person would react, but he's, I think the movie is trying to portray him as like, holds him up as like a really good example of what a person should be, a priest should be, mostly what a priest should be in that he is trying to save Jack, Chris O'Dowd throughout. You know, he could have just gone to the cops and said, this guy said he's going to kill me in seven days. And that would have been the end of it. He could have ran away at the end, but he was trying to save him and he ended up failing sort of, but you could also say giving his life to save him. Um, We can talk about the ending when we get to it, but, but I, I I think throughout it'll, it does make somewhat, it does make some sense. And none of the others really do make, they're all, they're all assholes to him. You know, um, Simon, the, the mechanic, and then, dr frank the the doctor um even like the police inspector and the town whore and i never would have thought it was her honestly her oh the gay guy the who who else is the town whore veronica jack's wife was kind of i mean they kept saying she was sleeping with everyone and uh i think leo is the the gay guy who was yeah but leo is actually a prostitute like he's actually but he wasn't the town whore he came in on trips to this town 
he oh, was geez. like a yeah he was a he was a whore throughout the country i believe oh he was a country whore yeah not well no but that makes it seem like he didn't go to big cities and i imagine he did well in dublin as well okay well uh, la- last thing <laughs> let's get back to the fucking movie <laughs> but um the one funny line in the beginning because i didn't think much else was but um when jack asks him do you have anything to say and, and uh the father goes not right now but i'm sure i'll think about some i'll think of something before sunday i thought it was pretty funny um and then right after that he has to give communion to at that point as the audience you think the possible perps but he knows exactly who it is so he knows when he gives it to jack that it's jack um but i just thought that was interesting um yeah. The next scene is where Father Leary, who I've probably just called a dumb priest throughout because I mean, that's exactly like what that character is. <laughs> when he asks, he talks about Veronica and her husband and her lover and how she got hit in the eye. And he's like, do you know what felching is? Um, and he says he had to look it up. Did you look it up? No. Don't look it up. It's about as bad as it could be. How do you, I'm going to look it up. Fel, felching? Ah. Well, now I know. I also was trying to figure out uh, where I know Chris O'Dowd from. And he plays um, Natalie Portman's date in Thor, The Dark World. Oh, okay. He's also um, the love interest of uh, Kristen Wiig in Bridesmaids. Yes. And then he was one of the main characters in the IT crowd. Yes. Which is a pretty hilarious show. I also, I remember the little kid in the next scene, like being in it a lot more, but he's really just like, they show him stealing something and then they show him like drawing Oh no, they didn't show him stealing something. The fa- father James says, "Oh, I, you know, my booze is a little light." And then later on, you see the kid drawing something at the beach, and then obviously he's going to be drawing at the beach, like at the very end of the movie. Um, but I, I really like that little kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was in it for five minutes in the beginning and for five seconds at the end, and it's so funny too because when you see him again, or when I saw him again at the very end of the movie. I completely forgot he was a character because <laughs> so much happens in that like whole middle part of the film. Well, I mean, if you think about it, he's in the first, what, maybe 10 minutes of the movie is the last time you see him probably like seven. And then you don't see him for literally until the last five. So it's like a huge chunk of the movie where he's not in it. So then father James goes to his boss and that's when you find out that he knows who this is, that he, he knows the audience doesn't which is is a pretty interesting way to do it. And it's especially interesting moving forward when you finally know who Jack is, like a a rewatch of the movie, or that you know that Jack is the killer. But I I like that his boss basically is like, well, you can go to the police or you you don't have to, it's up to you. And it's just like passing the the buck, like I'm not going to make this decision for you. Like you can decide what to do. Um, Yeah. And I guess it has to do with the confidentiality of the the agreement that they have between parishion or uh, the priest and the people who confess to them. Right. Well, but the the 
the upper tier uh, priest basically is like, oh, that doesn't apply here, so you can do what you want. Um, so it is it is funny that he's just like, oh, you know, you you can do this or you can do that. I'm not going to tell you what to do. And I right. feel like, I don't know, I feel like normally he would probably like just, you know, go to the police. Um, we then get to meet his daughter, which their relationship is is one of the, like sweetest funniest parts of the movie like i really enjoy that part um when he looks at her wrist and is like you made the classic error which is like pretty fucking dark and then at the bar um the dr frank is it doc i think it's dr frank makes oh no it was either the bartender or dr frank um no no it was dr it was dr frank yeah and he's like i've already done that gag uh and then the bartender calls her a whore and i'm like all right that you know the bartender is the biggest asshole who just calls a priest's daughter a whore like as she walks in like, why is she, wait why is she a whore i think because she like he was being an asshole to her and then she said some snippy back and then he's like just called her a whore as one does yes um yeah so he is the worst character um and then you find out like the daughter tried to kill herself over a guy you get the backstory of how like he had a wife um and he had fiona and then the wife died and that's when he decided to become a priest i love when milo's like can you do that and the uh, dr frank next to him apparently so like just the line the line reading on that part is so good um everyone in this town is so fucking bad they're just bad people like there's so many bad people in this tiny little town and um, is the guy with the bow tie the same guy um, that had this, like, tendency to want to kill women? Yeah, the incel? Yeah. Yeah, he was like, I'm either going to say either kill women or join, join the, the military. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that, see what happens. But, yeah, that is that is that guy. Okay, I thought so. It was honestly kind of as a character given kind of short shrift in this. Um, But still it's, yeah, I agree with you. Everyone in this movie is not a good person. Um, After this, it's like the next day. And you know, what's funny is on some real quick on some of these, like when the scenes go to the next day, it says what day it is. And then other times it doesn't. Yeah. Either that or I was missing it. Um, it was so small and it was white font. So maybe we were just missing it. But I, I, I did, actually didn't notice until it said Friday. Okay. I think I saw, uh, I wrote it, I wrote it down every time I saw it. I think I might've seen Tuesday, but I'm not sure. Um, he goes to speak to, to Veronica on what I assume would be a Tuesday, right? Cause he picked up his daughter probably on a Monday, maybe on Sunday. I don't know. Um, and she asks him, you know, he asks her about the black eye and she just basically is giving him a lot of non-answers and also won't even like they, they talk, I think we'll get to it when we get to Simon, but uh, Simon is the, uh, the Ugandan lover or the Ivory Coast lover, depending on which of the priests you talk to. But um, I think it becomes pretty clear that he might've been the one that hit her but then he kind of makes it seem like she would enjoy that. But she's also just like kind of giving no answers. And um, she's like very vague of like, oh, it could have been one of the guys, but it also could have been my husband. 
Um, and that's when he goes to see Jack the Butcher, um, which is interesting because when you watch it again, he goes to Jack and he says, hey, can we have a word in private? And Jack just says to everyone who can hear, oh, that sounds ominous. And it's like in Jack's head, has he come to talk to me about the fact that I'm going to kill him in six days, which would be probably a pretty normal thing for the priest to come talk to him about. <laughs> Not a normal situation, but he, it would make sense. He, he went to go see Jack first and then Simon. I know. Yeah. He went to Veronica, then Jack. And, and then Simon. after that, he goes to Simon, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but that, I do think that line of, oh, that sounds ominous and him kind of being like, oh, wait, why is he here? I do think that does lend a little bit to the making sense why it was Jack or at least some, some foreshadowing that you could pick up. It might've been Jack. The fact that he wanted to go see Jack that fast, I thought it was Jack at first. And then he just wanted to talk to him about hitting his wife. And that's when I just, I dismissed it completely and never thought it was Jack again. Right. Also Jack, like, it's like, you know what? She's cheating on me and we've never been happier. So like, why mess with a good thing? And then later on, he's like, she's bipolar or lactose intolerant. Like one of the two. They're good stuff. I liked him at the end where he was like, um, oh, and by the way, I, I did uh, toss Veronica around. Like, uh, like he's know, he, said, to... he, said, he said he pushed her once or something. Well, I mean, he basically means he hit her. And he so full heartedly denied it in the beginning. But the fact that he's like, he has it in his head that he's going to go, he's going to kill this guy, might as well confess to the fact that he's a wife beater on top of it. Well, he said he pushed her once. I don't know. Does that make him a wife beater? Maybe. Okay, you go ahead and push Ashley and then we'll, then we'll talk. I push Ashley all the time. <laughs> um, the last line he gives him too, right before uh, the conversation ends, he's like, can I cut you a side of beef? It's freshly slaughtered. Yes which I think is also very like, you know, that, that's an intentional line in there to, to give you some, some wonder. Um, the next scene is he goes to talk to Simon. Simon's just a complete dick to him. Um, basically is like, I'm going to do what I want. Uh, he kind of says generally that, you know, women like Veronica like to be hit and Father James like, don't do it again. And he flicks his cigarette at him and says, run away, father. Sermon is over. Um, yeah, just kind of an asshole. Um, as is everyone. I mean, all, the, all these beginning scenes are to basically, like, meet the suspects as the audience, right? Just, like, meet all the possibilities of who this could be. Like, you know it's not Veronica, right? But, in or like, we meet Jack. Um, we meet Frank and Milo at the bar. We meet Simon. Like, it's all just like, who could, who could this possibly be? Actually, for me in my head, when he was, um, what's it called? When you give the wafer, you're a priest. Communion. Communion. Um, when he was giving communion to like the five or six people he was giving to, I thought that right there was our suspect list. So yeah, those, was, those were the specific people I was paying attention to throughout the movie. Right. No, I get that. But then we're like, we're meeting them further. We're not just seeing their faces. Um, I, I also like Father Leary right after this when he's like, 
Oh, it, it, when he finds out that it might have been the black guy that beat up Veronica, he's like, oh, the church can't be seen to be getting in, involved in matters of diversity. And he just flicks the cigarette, like, right at him. And I was like, yeah, that was kind of douchey, but he's not, like, wrong. Like, you can't keep putting up this, like, color barrier where there's not really, like, they're not talking about that. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the point of what Father James was saying is like, I'm not coming here because of any other reason, but you hit one of my parishioners, don't do it. Like, stop hitting somebody, Um, whether she enjoys it or not, which is, I don't know if, why in the eye, but that's, that's for Veronica to decide. I can't tell her what to enjoy. Look, Um, don't, don't kink shame. Okay. The next, the next suspect we meet is the writer. Is he really a suspect? No. I, I never no. suspected him. No. I mean, he does ask for a gun, so I don't know. But yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't in the church in the beginning. He's sort of uh, decrepit and has trouble getting around, so the father comes to him on a boat. Yeah, but he was in the church in the beginning. He accepted, was he? He accepted community. community. He accepted um, the wafer, communion from... So he is a suspect then. Yeah, but he's very quick, quickly dismissed. Although, how, how much of a raw deal would it be is, is if Father James provided him with the gun that he ended up killing him with? How much longer would the last scene have been of instead of Jack walking on the beach from far away where you can't tell it is, it's the, the writer just struggling with his cane. Like, Well, and the, the writer's like, hey, can I come to the beach with you? So he's like just getting the gun ready as he's walking. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I did like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's this point, but the writer at one point says, you know, what's interesting. Uh, when you get old, no one mentions death around you anymore. He's like, that's how you know you're getting old. And I was like, that is very true. Like when, when you think someone should be dead or is close to being dead, you do not say that word around them. Yeah, that's and true. The, the other funny line too is when uh, they mentioned the word affectation and the writer's like, my whole life is an affectation. And he's like, that's one of those lines that sounds witty, but doesn't really make any sense. And I was like, eh, it can kind of make sense. Maybe like my life is full of affectations or I don't know. I yeah, but it's kind of like those off-the-cuff lines being like, um, like, that doesn't make any sense. And then you turn around and you're like, you don't make sense. It's like, sounds like a witty comeback, but it actually doesn't make any sense. You don't make any sense? So the next scene is the rich guy riding by on his horse as the father and Fiona, his daughter, are walking around. Um, and he's immediately a prick. Fiona calls him a prick, which is, is good. Um, and then he just says, oh, you know, I have a financial proposition for you. Um, I like how he, um, <laughs> he wanted to basically just build a church on his property just so that he wouldn't have to make the walk to Sunday mass all the time. Yeah, like it, it's got to be so far away that he's just like, nah, nah. Yeah, like I'm going to build it so you can, you can pop around to me every once in a while. Um, he could have rode his horse there. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure, that he, I'm sure he could have built like a little, a little thing to tie the, tie the horse onto so it wouldn't have been 
too difficult. But his horse is probably too expensive for him to want to do that. As he said, it's a very expensive horse. A very um, expensive slab of horse meat, I believe is what he called it. Maybe. Uh, after this, the uh, Father James goes to the police inspector, and you meet the uh, the young gay prostitute, Leo, who talks like he's from the 50s. Um, I, one, we should bring that that kind of way of talking back. No, we shouldn't. Um, it's very... Dis- disagree with your first point. What's your second? <laughs> My second point is before we talk about any extra characters that we're, we're meeting throughout the film... I do want to go back and talk about Fiona and that actress, um, Kelly Riley. So it's so, do you ever get into these modes where you end up watching a show or a movie that has someone like an, an actor and or, or an actress. And then later that week, not meaning to by no means of purpose whatsoever, you end up watching another show or TV or movie with that same actor actress uh sure okay so kelly riley is in episode two uh sorry season two of true detective oh she plays vince vaughn's wife oh that's cool i first saw her in sherlock the robert downey jr movie she played watson's wife or to be wife yeah i think they got married in the end um, and yeah, I think she's probably in the second one too, obviously. Yeah, that's the first time I ever saw her. And I thought she was really great in that. And so now whenever I see her in something like, oh, it's cool. But my point is, is that in True Detective, she's American. So I thought she was American. It didn't occur to me that she was um, English. Or Irish. Well, don't know. I don't know. Not sure it matters. Um, <laughs> I, I don't English. think... I don't think we should talk like Leo. His character is very clearly the most over-the-top thing about this movie and probably like the least realistic. Um, I could easily, if someone had a nitpick about that character, I'd be like, okay, I agree. Uh, I found it funny. Um, I found him funny. I do think that the... uh, the talking to at the end that the priest that father James gives him of like, Hey, you know, if you ever want to talk to me, or if you ever need anything, I'll be there for you. Da, 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 da. And he's like, you know, don't, don't do that to me. And then at the very end, you see Leo just sort of sitting there naked on a bed, like contemplative, like, Oh man, my life isn't what it should be. Like that one 30 second talk from the father saying, I care about you is like, that did it. I thought that was <laughs> a little, a little forced, but, um, in a, in a movie I otherwise loved, I, I kind of let it go. And it, it is also, I think to me, it's one of those things, maybe the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. And then the second, the more you see it, like, all right, that might be a little undeserved. Um, I was watching the movie with captions on. And sometimes when he uh, refers to Father James, the captions read, Fada. That's how he was saying it, too. Yeah. Uh, like F-A-D-A, Fada. Fada. Right. Um, but then sometimes the captions say father and he says father. And I feel like the whole 50s slang terminology thing is an act that he puts on to make himself not so vulnerable. But when he when he's in the bar playing pool, 
um, and they get kind of real with each other, that's when his accent kind of slips. And the captions change from from fada to father. And I feel like um, that's when you know he's kind of like getting to him, which I thought was a cool detail in the movie. Yeah, no, that is cool. That is cool. Um, but then Leo leaves so he can talk to the inspector and um, he asks the inspector for a gun. And I do like that the inspector's like, oh, this is for your dog that's sick and that's why you want it. And the father looks at him and he's like, yes, it's for my dog who's sick and I want to take care of him. Just like this, like, I'm going to throw out this pretense for why you want this so that I, this is what I can tell people when you inevitably, like, something bad happens from this. Um, what I thought was interesting is, so at that point, you're like, okay, so he's not going to tell him what's really happening. Because um, you thought when he went to the inspector, that's what he was going to do, say, hey, this dude said he's going to kill me. But then they walk outside, and they're talking about pedophile priests, right? So he very clearly had to tell him what happened. Because otherwise, how did they get on the subject of pedophile priests? It was a subject that a lot of people were talking about at the time. Yeah, maybe you could say that. But then at the, uh, after the church burns down, which we'll get to, the inspector says something like, oh, maybe someone would have something personal against you, right? And then after that, his daughter is like, what, what was the inspector getting at there? And Father James is like, oh, I can't tell you. So, yeah. I mean, that I think that clearly lends itself to, he told the inspector, but he's like, maybe he told the inspector, but he's like, I'm not going to tell you who it is. And so the inspector's like, well, if you don't tell me who it is, I have nothing I can do here. So that's why, you know, I'm just going to leave it alone. Um, but I thought that was an interesting part of this, the fact that he told the inspector, and the inspector goes on this story about how you know, there was a pedophile priest and he arrested the guy and then he ended up getting just reassigned and they sent that priest to, you know, Africa where, you know, they didn't care what he did there, which is fucked up, but also probably, probably what happened a few times. I mean, as Spotlight would lend you to believe, they, they sent priests away to different areas a lot of times to just redo what they were doing. Um, what I found interesting is that the repercussions of all those um, fondling priests and how even though uh, Brendan Gleeson was a good good guy priest, um, everyone's like outlook on the priesthood as a whole was very diminished at that point. And so one of my one of the scenes, I liked it because I thought it was well, like, well done, um, but quite depressing is when he's walking down the beach path with the little girl. Right. And he's kind of just like, just being kind of just, you know, friendly, normal, friendly. But then her father like pulls up and freaks out. And um, like, yeah, kind of about- kind of accuses him of like, what are you talking to a little kid for? Yeah, but think about it like what you do for a living and then think about like a hundred people who do what you do for a living are caught in this like heinous crime. And now you're treated like you're part of that whole thing and you're not. And then on top of that, imagine what you do for a living 
completely revolves around morality and ethics. Like that has to be depressing as shit. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, and, this, and your analogy is a little different because it's definitely more than a hundred priests. But no, I, I do get your point. No, I'm just saying, like a, a lot of people, right? Right. No. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um. So now is when Tuesday starts, by the way, because <laughs> I have it in my notes. Oh, now uh, is Tuesday. Yeah. Now we're about to get to Tuesday, and um. The this is when Milo comes to see him, and this is when we find out that. Milo is suicidal, but he's also maybe he wants to kill um, and possibly either he wants to kill women or, you know, he wants to join the army. I do. I do love that Father James is like, you know, it says thou shall not kill no asterisk. And Milo's like, well, what about self-defense? He's like, that's a tricky one. I will admit <laughs> Because then he goes and gets the he asks for the he he has the gun right. Um, who? Uh, Father James. Right, he has a gun. Yeah, Milo doesn't. Right, but then I'm thinking like, okay, so the writer, the old man writer, asked for a gun. So then he goes gets the gun. Like, is he getting it for the writer? Is he getting it for himself? All right, he's getting it for himself. And then at the end of the movie, he throws the gun off the cliff. Right thinking like, oh, I'm not going to need this because there is no asterisk. He he basically stuck to his morality throughout the whole film, no matter what, which makes his death even more sad. But Death is definitely sad. I do, I do like when the father's also asking, he's like, have you tried porn? And he's like, I've exhausted all the possibilities. And it's like, oh my God. Which, what does that really mean, though? I don't want to know. Okay. I mean, he's, he said he was, he said what he was recently looking at. So the father also tells him, like, leave home, go to, like, n- you know, New York or uh, London or whatever. And he's like, oh, with my luck, I'd get AIDS, which is also just like a fucked up thing to say. Um, but my, my, Milo's whole, like, run is just like, I'm this, really like unlikable guy who because i'm unlikable has now turned into like you know i'm gonna take it out on somebody i need to kill somebody and um you know obviously not 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 a character you feel too bad for no but i do like how that kind of interaction ended with him being like so it's kind of a pre-qualification to join the army to want to kill someone, right? And he's like, I don't think you should join the army. I think there's a, a different way you should handle this. But then by the end of the conversation, he's like, I think you should join the army. <laughs> he's like, you think I should join the army? That'd probably be best. Um, after this, we meet the rich guy fully now, who's just drunk, a complete prick. Um, <laughs> you kind of figure out that he was a, a financier during what I assume is like the 08 crisis or the, very shortly after that. And there's did still, the 08 crisis affect people and affected the world. So, okay. um, I think this is obviously like talking about the aftermath of that. The major takeaway from this scene is when he like, 
he pulls down the painting because he's like, I could just piss on this if I wanted. It means nothing to me. Like all of this means nothing. And it's like the father just sort of like, you know. <laughs> I thought it I thought it was like a reverse psychology sort of thing. He's like, Yeah, piss on it. You people piss on everything you've touched. And he's like kind of trying to like call his bluff. Well, ex- except he says, I could piss on this if I want. Do you want me to? And the father's like, Why would I want you to do that? And then he just does it. Yeah. But so like he's taken aback by it in this scene, but then later on when his church burns down, he uses it to his advantage, which I think is funny. Do you know what other movie that rich guy is in that you have seen that we have done an episode on? Uh, no. That is the guy from Shaun of the Dead. It is the guy from Shaun of the Dead. Wait. Which one? His name's David. He's the one who's kind of like the asshole that you hope gets eaten the whole time and eventually gets eaten in the bar. Oh, it's David. He's got glasses. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it is. Look at that. Looking completely different. Playing a completely different character. The voice is very, like, you can obviously, he's got, like, a distinct voice that was able to, like, pick it out. Next, next we get a full meeting with Frank. Um, this is when uh, a French couple has been in an accident and the wife was fine, but the husband is basically dying. And so Father James comes to give last rites. And Frank is his normal kind of dickish self, uh, kind of makes fun of the father, calls what he's like, all the stuff he's putting on totems and then says, Oh, uh, you know, the father asks where the kids are who were involved in the accident. And he says in the mortuary where they belong. And he's like, oh, God, like, do you have to. Do you have to be like that? Um, what I found interesting about the scene, once we meet the French wife and the, the husband who's given last rights to the the wife is almost consoling him. Right. Right. She's got this much more. I guess you could just call it a better perspective on life and death than even he does as someone who should have a good perspective on it. And I think that's a really like interesting scene. And it even kind of plays that way later on when we see this character again at the end, like almost at the very end of the movie. But I I think that is, uh, it's a very somewhat profound scene depending on how you look at it and like sort of shapes, you know, father James a little bit. So I, I found it interesting. Um, so there were kids in that accident and they died? Yeah, everyone died but the, the French wife. Because she didn't seem like she was taking their bodies back on the plane at the end. No, no. The, 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 they were like teenagers in the other car that hit her car. Oh, not her children. No. Oh. No. I was like, I'll take my husband. I'll leave the brats back here oh, in Ireland. Fuck those kids. They were horrible on this trip. Um, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I get it now. And then so after that, he goes and talks to Frank, who says, Frank's like, oh, you know how I like widows. And I like the father's like, yeah, you've told me that before. Your material's getting very old. He's like, well, I'm an atheistic doctor. It's such a cliche. 
you know, I do like his line of like, I'm one part humanism, nine parts gallows humor, which I think is just like a really cool line. Um, but he's once again, also over the top. I love like Aiden Gillen and everything. First of all, like his just voice, like the deep raspy, like voice with like the accent, I think is so cool. And I like, it just adds to all of his parts, but um, he, he's like definitely one of the, besides uh, Leo, the prostitute, probably the most over the top character in this. He he's kind of known for his Game of Thrones character, right? Uh, yeah, and then I think he's also been in um one of the seasons of Peaky Blinders. Um, after that, he's doing a confessional with his daughter, and she starts talking about suicide, and she's like, you know, this. I think she says like a Japanese poet listed all the famous people that committed suicide, and he's and she says that uh, the person put Jesus Christ on there, and uh, he's like, sounds like a smart ass. <laughs> yeah um then next we get a quick scene where he tells the writer that he got his gun um well hold on david we we've done all this um we've reviewed uh, and talked about a majority of the movie but we never talked about the scene where he went to visit his own son in prison the reason we haven't talked about it is because it's the next scene but let's get to it is it i thought it happened way earlier in the movie i'm just misremembering no, yeah, the only thing I want to say about the writer is um, there's one cool set of dialogue where uh, the writer's like, what are you afraid to give me the gun? He's like, and the Father James is like, well, you never know. Some people just wake up one day and bang, 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 want to kill people. And the writer's like, no, people usually have a pretty good reason for wanting to kill somebody, generally. And I think that's cool. That's like, just kind of describes the movie a little bit where... Um, you know, the writer's basically saying like this Jack does have good reasons, whether you disagree with those reasons, but he didn't wake up one day and decide to do this. He has thought about this and like, which is kind of like, he's not going to go back on it, you know, and in the end, that's what happens. Um, but yeah, let's get to Freddie Joyce uh, played by Domino Gleason. So Domino Gleason is so like different in this film it took me like way too long to realize who this was and when i say his son i just want the audience to know like i'm not talking about father james son i'm talking about brendan gleason doing an entire monologue with domino gleason his actual son playing this like serial killer character which i thought was pretty cool cannibal cannibal serial killer your own Ted Bunyan. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about that. I thought everything about that scene was amazing. Yeah, uh, very creepy. Um, like very well done if you're trying to make the audience think you're a serial killer cannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, talks about how he wants to be hung uh he's like well you know that we don't kill people here and he's like he's like so are you saying you want to be hung because that's you showing remorse and he's like well i'm not a monster um (laughs) and friendly like you're cannibal like kind of are um and and you kind of get to the point where you realize that freddie domino gleason has kind of just called him here because he wants to talk to someone because he's lonely because he's gonna die in this prison hopefully if the irish 
criminal system is you know decent that he will die in prison yeah um and the father has come there because he he is a man of integrity and it is his job to give you know whatever he can to any human being even those that maybe the rest of society seems to think shouldn't be given uh you know any any help spiritual guidance whatever and um he quickly realizes though that like that's not you know that he probably has wasted his time um yeah that's a it's a very like very dark scene especially when freddie talks uh domino gleason yeah but knowing that their father and son in real life also is very enjoyable every time uh Freddie uh, Joyce calls him father. I laugh inside. <laughs> that is funny. Um, I didn't. I I watched the movie Dread recently. I'm trying to remember what character Donald Gleason played in Dread. Did you like Dread? I did like Dread. Yeah, it's really good. For for I was surprised how contained of a movie it was. But it's kind of easy to do when you, you your whole like plot device is to be trapped in this like um basically like this apartment complex. Yeah, well it's so easy to contain yourself when you make a rule that contains yourself. Well, yeah, but it's it's well done in the in the writing sense. But now I'm looking at Donald Gleason's like um filmography, and it's incredible what he's been in because he's one of the Weasley brothers in Harry Potter. He's the jackass general douchebag in Star Wars, the new trilogy. Um, Dread, and then he's in a bunch of like um, kid movies, right? Like Peter Rabbit and Christopher Robin and stuff like that. But then he's also in The Revenant and obviously Ex Machina, which we've already, which is our first episode. Don Noel Gleason's in this movie for three minutes and you want to start talking about his filmography. He's a great actor. I don't know why you're getting on to me for this. Because it has nothing to do with the movie. Well, fine. Let's get back to the movie. Yeah. So they he, they go back to the bar because apparently this is the only fucking place to hang in, hang in town at night. Um, that is bartend- Ireland. Yeah, the bar... T- it's a small town. The bartender talks about how he's being foreclosed on. Um bartender once again is just kind of a huge dick and like it's like oh you're good you're being foreclosed on like you're not a good person it's also hard for me to believe that he's being foreclosed on since it's the only operating bar in the town he must be doing well well maybe i don't know it's the same fucking degenerates in there so maybe they're buying a lot um once again all the potential suspects are at the bar frank and veronica are caught doing coke uh i do like when stanton attacks priest leary for just saying stupid shit but then so he attacks leary who falls over and then jack starts yelling at him like hey watch out for our drinks like, <laughs> as, like he's the he's the reason but then what's funny is like i feel bad about that afterwards because like the dumb priest is off by himself just sitting there like while everyone else is having fun like milo's by himself because he can't talk to any women the leary is like by himself because like no one likes him um and it's just like, oh, I feel kind of bad for him. But then, you know, Gleason, who things keep happening, he keeps dealing with these people who are just assholes. 
and then the bartender's like oh looks like your uh your church is on fire and he's like fuck off i don't have time for this but then it's like his church actually is on fire right and he runs over there and he's very obviously distraught about this while everyone else like what I thought was interesting is now knowing that Jack is the the murderer, Jack's just like basking in the fire, like closing his eyes, just like taking in, taking it all in. But then like, you know, everyone else is just sort of making fun of it. Right. Like, cause they don't care about this, which is weird because they all go to this church, but they don't care that it's burning down. I took it that they were all too drunk to fully realize and fully care. I guess, but just given what kind of people they are, it, it doesn't make sense that they go to this church. Like, what, like why, they're all adults. Like, why are you doing it? Just don't go if you're going to be this way. Oh, it is Ireland. You can't just say that about everything. Eh, watch me. <laughs> What's also crazy about this is, like, they all talk about him as if he's such a good man, right? But they're all assholes to him. Like they all, they all sort of like bring up the other abuses of other priests. They treat him very shittily. He's just trying to help them. And they all seemingly recognize that he is a good man, but they all couldn't be worse people to him. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? They can all say like, oh, what a good person he is, but it doesn't stop them from being bad people innately. Yeah, but even bad people aren't shitty to just every person they come across. Some of them are. So no, no, no. Jack, Jack definitely burned down the church, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he doesn't deny that part. I also I want to. We'll get to the dog when it ha- when you know when it happens and when we talk about the end. But I I think he did that too. Um, I don't think he did. Well, we'll talk about it. That. We next get another uh, another clue as to what day it is. So it's Thursday now, and uh, they're all standing on the remains of the church. Uh, you know, this is when the inspector says, like, oh, you know, someone probably has a personal grudge against the father. Um, right. And then the inspector says something along the lines of, like, oh, you know, you might not even need to rebuild this, you know, like hundreds of years from now or like we may not believe in this people are going to be beyond needing to believe in something like this and uh father's like you know for a cop you know very little about human nature which is like is very like it's a funny line it's also true like people always like are gonna need things to believe in um and then right after this he meets veronica at the beach right he's always going to the beach just to find people there or just to do walks i guess because what else are you going to do in between like sermons and like talking to domestic abused victims? But um, pretty much I like when she's like, you know, she says I'm a lost cause and he's like, no one's a lost cause. Like I still like have hope in you. Um, it doesn't seem to change her at all, but I do like that. He keeps trying. Does it make sense to you as a kind of a plot device that she would actually be married to Chris O'Dowd's character and not know he has this like past and if she knows he has this past to be like actively like cheating on him I think it makes sense that he didn't tell her um back to spotlight there were several characters in that that talked about how they had never even told their family um 
or told their, you know, their new family. So um, just based on that, yeah, I would say that he never told her this is something that had been buried deep in him for, he may have never told anyone, right? I don't remember exactly what he says about what happened to the priest in the beginning, but he said it went on for five years. And I'm not sure if the priest got caught or if just at 12, he was too old for the priest. Um, so he may have never told anyone in his family and it just ended. I don't yeah. know that it gets into that. Um, it just makes you wonder about her. Well, she's also like, she's a very, you know, she has not had a great life either, right? I think she talks about how like she she had a distant mother, a horrible father, and then her father died. And um, so, I mean, and obviously just with the way she's going about her life now, like she doesn't seem to have like a great self-worth about her. Um, True. So I don't know. There's no real, there's no real, um, development on her character towards the end uh it's just sort of like that's i think that might be like the last kind of important scene she has with father james i don't i don't know but if there's another we'll get to it um the the next thing is real he has a real quick scene with his boss again where he says i don't know that the the same man who burned down my church you know is also the one that threatened to kill me but he has to know that 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 it was that it was probably jack um, I don't know if you actually think about it and everyone is a total asshole in this town. It could have literally been anyone. It could have also could have been an accident, right? There's always candles going on in like a Catholic church. So maybe they just didn't blow out all the candles. Um, they also, the, you know, the, the boss guy goes on and on about all these things that this, you know, the reasons that this guy could be doing this and, father james just like or he just doesn't want to be you know ignored anymore right like he's held this in for most of his life and now this is how he's reacting to it so um i do think part of the movie is showing you that father james sort of understands what's happening and almost feels like it's part of his duty in the end to kind of accept except the punishment for the actions of like fellow priests, you know, this movie is, is full of like misleads and red herrings and stuff. And I mean, it's just, I think it's purposefully there. So the audience has absolutely no idea because if, if um, you were to assume a couple things, right. One being like, okay, so what if the guy who burned down the church wasn't the guy who was going to kill him? Then you have to think about how, who was in the bar when the church was being burned down versus who wasn't in the bar when the church was being burned down. And it's just kind of this like murder mystery thing going on before the murder actually happens. Um, but the, the, like I said, it's kind of impossible to solve because this whole movie is making it impossible for the audience to solve. Um, but I'm just always so surprised now knowing who it is, how cordial the priest has been to Jack. Well, it's because he's trying to save him. Um, I think he's trying to save everyone. Like the whole plot of the movie is instead of taking the seven days to kind of like 
get his own affairs together. He actually takes each day to try to figure out, like, help everyone in the town, including his daughter. Right. No, yeah, he, he doesn't, he devotes the entire time save for a little bit at the end for everyone else. And then like at the final hour, he's like, all right, he maybe wants to try and save himself, but then he decides against that and he goes back. Um, and I think that it, that is part of it, how he's just, his, his mindset is to save others. Even, you know, sometimes he doubts that, but then when he, when he goes back to it, that's what he wants to do. Um, I, I, the next scene is where the uh, the rich guy comes in to offer money after the church has been burned, which is like, it's almost opportunistic and is like, all right, this is how I'll, I'll save myself by giving away this money, uh, you know, when the church needs it most. Um, I, I do like the line of like, all philanthrop- philanthropy is because of guilt, which I don't think is true. But I do think like all philanthropy is either because of guilt or because it, it does make you feel good, right? Like it you I do, do believe I do believe that like you get something out of giving away um and sometimes that's even more than give you know using your resources just to like make yourself happier by giving it away you're making yourself as happy as possible um I also like how he's like oh you know how about I'll, I'll give 20 <laughs> and, and Gleason like up on the like up on the game of what this guy's doing is like well, why not 50 and the uh why not 100 100- well, Father Leary's like, what are you doing? Shut up. And he's like, no, 100 it is. I'll give you 100 right now. Fuck, I don't need it. Um, I just, that, that whole part was awesome. Um, back to people feeling that philanthropy is, is like treating themselves as well as treating others. Do you believe like off of that logic right um the only reason people proactively like do good do charity is just solely to make themselves feel it reminds me of that um soundbite that like i'm not it's not a meme but it's like that tiktok soundbite that's like i'm just better than everyone else I mean, everyone, you do, you do things either to make yourself feel good or to prevent yourself from feeling bad, right? So when you like see a homeless person and you give them money, it's either because it would make you, you would continue to think about it and it would make you feel bad for the rest of the day, or you do it because it, would, it makes you feel like a superior person or it makes you feel good about yourself that you did it, right? And the people, and if you don't, then it's because you can sort of in your head rationalize like they, you know, other people give them this money. They don't need that money. They could work. They're going to use it on things that I don't approve of. Um, so in like all of these situations, I do think there is a mental calculus that involves some sort of like, this is because it makes me feel good or prevents me from feeling bad. Like all, all actions are, are like that. <laughs> I thought there's, there's a funny meme one time where, uh, this homeless guy asked for five dollars and the guy's about to give it to him this woman's like don't give him five dollars he's gonna buy drugs and uh and there's two versions of the meme one is that's what i was gonna do with it anyway and then the other version is like i'm gonna like you go to the homeless person like 
where can I get drugs for five dollars? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. Uh can we talk about his dog dying? In a second. I um the right before his dog, he finds his dead dog. He's talking to his daughter, and it's a very like emotional scene where they're walking sort of on a cliff. Right. And they're talking about their, you know, his wife, her mom, and how brave she was. And and Gleason's like, Oh, I hope I'll be that brave, or I wonder if I'll be that brave which is really cool, you know, considering what's about to happen to him. Um, and he talks about how, you know, her suicide attempt didn't just affect her, it affected him. And then they have this, you know, this line about like, he's like, I'll always be there for you. I'll always, you know, da, 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 da. And she's like, and then he says, how's that for a third act uh, revelation? You know, they're, they're kind of like him saying, I'm always going to be there for you. And she's like, it's corny, but I like it, you know? And then that whole, that whole scene is like, once again, this is another like self-referential point where he, the director is admitting like, yeah, this may a little be a little corny, but I think it's a good scene. And I agree. Like it is corny, but I liked it. You know, the whole scene. I, so. I really like that scene. I liked actually all the interaction that he and his daughter had, especially like the, it's such a short scene and we overlooked it talking about it, but the fly fishing scene. Oh, right. Uh, where he's fishing and she comes up behind him and she's like, Oh, do you do this like therapeutically? He's like, yeah. And she's like, Oh, maybe I should start. And she, he's like, yeah, maybe you should. And then Leary, father Leary comes up behind him and he almost like purposefully like flings the rod back to like right, hit, to hit him. him. Um, but then she, uh, he was like, so are you seeing anyone to his daughter? She's like romantically or like a therapist. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Right. Yeah. And he obviously meant therapist. <laughs> yeah. Um, next, we find the dog's been killed. And this is like, besides the church burning down, this is like the most he's ever been affected by. You know, he seems very unaffected by the way these people treat him, right? Mm-hmm. But then they burn down his church and then they kill his dog, which is like the only creature person around him that he loves you know on a normal basis like his daughter normally lives in like london um so it's just just very like fucked up um you think jack killed his dog i i don't because he he says he doesn't and what reason would he have to lie at that point he loves dogs yeah but then he's like so did you cry when your dog died well, he was just trying to compare the disassociation that he had with the... Yeah, the way he said it made me think he killed the dog. You know who could have killed the dog is Milo. Milo, uh, maybe the inspector as sort of like a, I'll do this for you because I know you can't handle it thing. Um, the inspector knew that his dog, that was an excuse that they fabricated. Yeah, but still he knows his dog's old. The bartender, but that was before the scene with the bartender where they really get into it's not it, the so. bartender. Yeah, I mean, I think it's Jack. So uh, you know, I mean, I guess um, we don't know for a reason. For and then sure. the do- the daughter leaves, not knowing the dog was killed. I-, I do like that she seems to be doing better. Like that's a very like in a movie full of dark. That is some light that we get, especially at the end, right? Um, I do want to say before we kind of wrap up the end this movie was shot beautifully 
there's like one b-roll scene where they're just shooting this one cliff right that uh, you know the cliff comes to like a point almost looks like a triangle i know exactly which one you're talking about and they focus on it for like 15 seconds and i was like yes every second of that was necessary it's so beautiful looking i mean, I mean that, that like the cinematography is definitely one of the like the major attributes of this movie like it is just like the it's so beautiful of an area and it's shot so well well, the scenery is one thing too, but of course, but like the way the light is on certain people in certain scenes, it's just very like, I don't know. It's very moody and beautiful. And um, I love the lighting of the last scene that I, I know we're about to get to it, but where she's in the jail, she has the phone up to her ear. She like closes her eyes, tilts her head, and the tears roll down. Um, the lighting is just, it reminds me of like almost like a Renaissance painting. It's so well done. Yeah, no. It's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Um, you already talked about the scene with the little girl and the father. Um, yep. The only thing I will say is just like that scene was almost like a, a final straw for it you can see in like gleason's performance and like his face as the father drives off with his kid just like fuck i'm having to like i'm i'm having to take the brunt of like everything bad the catholic church has done in its history i have to take the brunt of it from these 12 assholes and then all these other people like for the rest of my life yeah yeah it's like you can see it's becoming too much for him um so he goes to the bar he drinks for the first time in forever um, and the bartender's even like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm fucking sure. Um, then you see Jack in the background playing chess with Simon, the dude banging his wife. So he clearly is okay with it. He's like fine with it, which again is like with Jack, and this is not something that's talked about in the movie, but you can imagine that someone that's been abused at such a young age, that that's obviously going to have an effect on like most if not all facets of their life going forward. And it is something that, you know, we talked about how maybe this is something he's never talked about before. And so it almost might've been something that was like buried deep within. Right. Right. And then is now like sort of coming out to where like it's affecting his marriage. And now, you know, he's sort of abused his wife a little bit. And now she's going off with someone else because, you know, maybe he doesn't want to be with her physically or at all. Right. And so that's sort of making him happy. Like, you know, it, it, it almost seems as if like everything has now come to a head and it's all coming out, like the emotion and like the, the turmoil he's been dealing with for like what, 30 some odd years. So um, it's I, uh, pretty interesting. I need to watch this movie again. But as, as I was watching that scene when Father James was getting like more and more drunk, when you, when you shoot um, people in a movie like cinematography wise not like with a gun when you shoot people with a camera say you're focusing on father james at the bar right you understand that like to get a reference point of everyone in the room um jack and simon are playing chess behind him the doctors to the right of him on the other side of the bar and then the bartender is in front of him on the other side of the bar. There's a, there's a line and like an imaginary line you draw through each character and you keep the camera on one side of the line. 
so every time you kind of flip to the other person's point of view, you stay on the side of the line. That way you can just keep track of each person's whereabouts. I believe they jumped the line when they were doing Jack twice. They stayed on the right side of the line when they did a close-up of his face, went back to Gleason, and then when they went back to Jack, they went on the other line, made it, making, uh, making it seem like Jack was now on the other side of the bar. And I wonder if that was just like a really weird way to be like, it's him. But then again, maybe I just wasn't like, maybe he got up and moved or something. But I, I thought something was off about the way they were shooting Jack in that scene. Um, and well, now, now knowing it was him was kind of like suspicious to me. Well, what I noticed from it is, you know, he's back playing chess with Simon and then he sort of walks up to the bar and he just starts fucking with Father James, with uh, Brendan Gleeson, just like, you know, do, how do you know that there really is a God? And I'm just like, at this point, you've burned his church. I think he killed his dog. Like, what? you've already said he's a good priest. So it's like all these other people being assholes to them, they're assholes, right? And obviously, like, you've, you've dealt with this trauma your, almost your entire life. But, like, you're already going to kill the guy. Like, why do you feel the need to be a dick to him, too? Like, the the two days before you're going to kill him. Like, what is the point? That's what I mean. This movie's full of red herrings. It's just kind of, because we also at that point don't know if, uh, if, um, if he's the the guy. Yeah. Right. So it could just be like, oh, he's just another asshole of the town. No. Yeah, absolutely. Again, speaking of the biggest asshole, the doctor telling that story about the three-year-old boy who like woke up being paralyzed is like not paralyzed, deaf, dumb, and blind, and paralyzed, and never like yeah, no, fucking horrible, worst part of the movie to me that story. (laughs) Brennan just standing, he's like, "Why the fuck would you tell me that?" And he kind of like gets up real quick and. The karate move that the uh, Frank does, like, like the defensive stance he gets into, is so funny, like so over exaggerated. Um, but yeah, th- this is also we talked about it before, but uh, where he talks to Leo, the the gay prostitute, and like you know, if there's anything I can do for you, do you need any help, and like how much that affects him. Um, but the real part I want to talk about is you know the father gets drunk. The bartender tells him he needs to leave, even though Simon's still drinking. And Brendan Gleason has sort of just hit his breaking point and just starts shooting the bar up, right? Right. And shoots all the bullets and then starts clicking it. And then the bartender gets the bat, right? Right. What I love about the next scene is you obviously see, like, you see the bruising on Brendan Gleason's back. You see his face. But if you notice his knuckles... Are all bloodied up. He gave as much as he took, right? And I love that. Like I, I, I love the the thought of it, but I, just the discipline of the director to be like, I'm not going to show it to you because it can't be as great as what's in your mind. And you see the bartender at the end of the movie with like a cut and some bruising too. Um, 
<laughs> I love them when Father Leary comes in and he tells him it was the bartender. He's like, he's a Buddhist. And he's like, so fucking what? He's a Buddhist. Like, Buddhists can't beat people up. Like, very clearly they can. Um, the Another kind of, um, I know like fun facts are your thing, but what I found cool is that the town like the small town that this is based in uh-huh. um, is actually the town that this movie was shot in. And it reminds me of in Bruges because wasn't in Bruges also shot in Bruges. It was. Yeah. So. Um, no, yeah, that's, that's very cool. Um, and it's, it just obviously makes it easier to like, if you're trying to fake things, right. Um, not that, you know, for a wider audience outside of Ireland, not that they would even know. Um, and so then he sort of, he insults the priest and the next day sees the priest and basically is like, you know, you have, he's like, I'm, I'm sorry for what I said, but you have no integrity. The priest, the dumb priest, the priest, uh, Father Leary admits like, you know, I've been questioning this for a while and that's why I need to leave. And he takes off, which makes you realize at the end of the movie that there's like, there's now no, there's no church and there's no priest for this town. I have faith in the little, in the little boy. He's going to handle things. He'll, he'll handle things. That's um, uh that's Calvary too, is him getting a gun and just going around and like, things are going to fucking change around here. Um, do you know why the movie is called Calvary? Yeah. Oh, okay. Why? Calvary is where Jesus died. It's where the crucifixion took place. Yeah. Um, did you know in Latin? Uh, so you yeah. went to the IMDb trivia section. Oh, you did too. Yeah. Um, th- my question is, so Calvare or Calvare um, is Latin for skull because they believe that um, where Jesus died, the island looked like a skull. Do you think that's why they they lingered on that shot of the actual um, East Key Island, the scenery? Did did it look like a skull to you, or not really? No. I mean, I I I read that that's what that said too, but no, it didn't to me. Um, Father James packs his bags to leave. Right, goes to the airport, but just happens to run into the French woman. And once again, she kind of convinces him. If if you were, you almost need to be looking for why he decides instead of running away to Dublin, he decides to go back, right? Because it's not made super clear. But what I think it is, is that she, she kind of reminds him like, you know, she says, I need to go on, right? Like, this is horrible, but I have to go on. And so he realizes, like, he can't run away. He has to go on, which in his case, going on is sacrificing himself um, to try and save all, anyone he can. Right. Um, which I guess also includes Jack she doesn't end up doing but then the only other person that he gets to talk to before he dies is uh the rich guy 
Which he kind of just stood him up anyways. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Maybe he continues on the church when he's gone. Well, he definitely probably pays to have it rebuilt. Um, but I don't know if David can, can handle that. He also talks to the writer too. And the writer's like, oh, let me come to the beach with you. He's like, no, no, gotta, gotta do this on my own. Um, I, I mean, I think he accomplishes a lot on the, on the way to the beach. Well, first of all, he brings the gun and you're like, oh, okay. Maybe he's uh, gonna try and make this a duel. And then he, you know, he talks to the writer, he talks to the rich man, and then he talks to the daughter. I do love the conversation they have where they, you know, they once again forgive each other. And he's talking about how he's like, you know, we focus too much on sins. We need to focus on virtues. Oh, on the, on the payphone. Right. And she's like, well, what virtue should we focus on? And he's like, well, forgiveness is a very underrated one, which like plays into the very last shot of the movie. Um, he throws the gun, sees the rich man, and then he just waits, right? Mm-hmm. And then you finally get the payoff of, of seeing Jack walking down the beach, very angry with a gun, which is, is really funny because he comes up and he's like, take your hands out of your pockets. I know you have a gun. And it's like, well, why do you, I guess you need to have this long back and forth before you shoot him is like the whole point of that. But like, you have a gun too. Like, I don't know why he was... But yeah, he then denies killing the dog. He's like, why would I kill a dog? I love dogs. I didn't kill your dog. <laughs> like, very, like, very defensive about it, but he, I definitely think he did it. No, I mean, he already admitted to pushing his wife and burning down the church, and now he's going to kill him. And I'm just like, at that point, I have no reason to not believe him. But that's just me. So then he shoots him in the stomach, and the little boy who's painting the scenery notices and runs up. And he's like, this, uh, you know, it's funny. So that gave me a little bit of like in Bruges feeling where the little boy's coming up and you're like, no, 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 like get out of here. Like, I don't want a, a little boy to get shot. And apparently at some point, uh, Brendan Gleeson's reading a paper and it's talking about two hitmen uh, from Dublin, kind of a reference to, you know, them in in Bruges, uh, him and Colin Farrell, so, which I didn't catch, but I think it's cool if it's in there. Um, and then I, I like that Jack's like, you know, turn your face away. Cause it's this moment of like, he almost can't follow through with it. Right. Uh-huh. And instead of turning his face away, he's like, no, I'm not. And like, you can walk away from this. And he's like, no, he can't. So then he shoots him in the head. Um, did you think he was not going to go through with it? What were your, what were your thoughts? Like as Jack was walking up, like, was it shocking to you? And then what did you think of the final scene? It was shocking to me. I just felt like, at that point, I just wanted, like, a why to this whole thing. Like, why? Um, and then he admits to the burning down of the church and not to the dog. And I was like, okay, then who killed the dog? And for a while, I was just thinking, who killed the dog? Um, you know, they always say, like, whenever you're watching a movie about, like, a lot of people dying, you're like, okay, yeah, they died. But then as soon as, like, an animal dies everyone freaks out like a horse in a war movie yeah um and then the boy right i actually thought he was gonna shoot the boy and then he was like that boy reminds me of me and that's when i thought his turning point was gonna be because he's like this kid has been helping father james all these years and he's a good guy so maybe there's hope for him 
But no, he shoots him anyways. I like the 50 different angles and the super slow motion that the gun is like raised up in like different ways. It's like two or three, but yeah. I know. It's it, like- it was like we shot this several different ways and we we're going to show all of them in the movie. They all came out great. Um, I, I especially like when he does shoot him in the head, how it flashes to everyone else in the town, the French woman on the plane, his daughter, everyone is like, doing their thing right like nothing has really changed but well, every, you know well except it, it could have just been what was happening right then right and then things had changed for you know the rich man you kind of show him very downtrodden right and then leo you show him like contemplating his life after he's just well, the, sex. R- the rich man was checking his clock because he was supposed to have a meeting with gleason and he never he's never going to show up to that meeting he, they didn't set a specific time. He said he would call him later. Um, but I, I do think he did affect some people at the end, right? Um, maybe not all of them. And that it, I think the, the ending makes sense because all along, Jack said he wanted to kill an innocent priest, like a good priest. And that was the whole point of this, right? So the fact that he followed through with it makes sense, even though he was affected by seeing the little boy. Um, the thing I struggled with initially when I saw this was like, why would Father James, Brendan Gleeson show up for this? Why would he allow this to happen? And I think it's twofold. And I think the movie does a, a good job of this is one is he thinks he can stop it. But two, by allowing himself to be killed by sacrificing himself, he can still hopefully save Jack and save others, right? And then maybe three, it's like his life is so shitty in this town, having to listen to all these assholes all the time that maybe like, maybe dying wouldn't be so bad. Um, The theme of suicide does show up a lot in this film Um, between his daughter and Milo and the rich guy and everyone. It's like, it's definitely a heavy... The writer. The writer. um, It's definitely a heavy thematic... um, Theme? Theme. Yeah. Well, and then the last shot of Dr. Frank is him uh, putting out a cigarette and a heart that's just sitting on the table on brand as can be. Um, and then you talked about the last scene where Fiona, you know, goes to see Jack. And I think, you know, the last words of Brendan Gleeson about like forgiveness is underrated, like obviously definitely affected that. Um, and it's, I didn't even remember that part of it, honestly. It's probably, I was, the first time you see this, you're probably so affected, and I was so affected by the fact that he actually went through with it and killed him, because that's not something you you thought it m- might not happen. Right. Um, but yeah, the the scene of you know her just by showing up, kind of showing her forgiveness of Jack, um, I think is definitely <sighs> powerful. No, I mean now that you mention it, and if that's like the whole like point of that, then then that makes sense, and it makes sense why it's the last shot you see of the film. Um, again, beautifully shot, but um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I like the film as a whole, and I think it, it's definitely one of those movies worth watching um, again, maybe a few years later, again, because uh, I think you can draw a different meaning to a kind of film like this, depending where you are in your own life. Um, but it's also not that 
much of an uplifting film. So I think you have to be kind of mentally ready to like jump into a movie like this. Yeah. I, so whenever, when I saw this, I was always like, you know, I could, you, you compare, I compare the brothers all the time. Like their movies, honestly, like they've each done three so far. And to me, they're just like, I always kind of group those three together. Right. And to me, I was always like in Bruges is probably my favorite. Calvary is like a close second. And I always said Calvary is just like a much darker movie, but still has some comedy watching it again. I'm just like, yeah, there's very the tiniest traces of like comedy in this. A lot of the comedic moments, like we're in the trailer, like the, uh, the karate scene uh, where Dr. Frank like gets back into the stances like in that. And then there's right. a couple others here and there. Um, and so the, the comedy is like so dry in this that it's like, it is, it is very, a very dark movie. Um, who, and I th- who did the, which brother did the guard? This brother, John Michael McDonald. Because have you ever seen The Guard? I have. Okay. The little boy is in The Guard. Yes. Yeah. I was actually going to say, like, right before we end this, um, so he did The Guard, which is his first movie. He did this, and then he did War on Everyone. And I, we'll definitely do those at some point, and I'm glad that we have finally done Calvary. Like I said, this was, like, when I did a ranking of, like, my top movies of the past decade, Calvary made it. Like that's how much kind of an impact it had on me on the first time and uh, rewatching it, it, it still does. I think it, it's a little less, slightly, slightly less because the, the ending plays such an impact into the movie. But um, yeah, I still, it's hard to say you love a movie like this, but I, I do greatly appreciate it. No, it's a good movie. Um, I'll definitely watch it again. And I think whoever does want to watch it has to be prepared for for uh for kind of a heavy flick but also a really really a one um that you don't want to miss choose a rainy day when you want to cry well thanks for listening to another episode of i finally watched this is david and this is alan and i finally watched calvary <laughs>